You're listening to Fake Believe, the podcast that gets some things right about conspiracies, cults, and cryptids. Hi, welcome to Fake Believe. I'm Stacy, and the real conspiracies are the friends you've made along the way. <laughs> and I'm Rachel, and danger is not my middle name. It's Annette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> That makes sense why you never answer to it. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, you just like freak out. I know, like, where? And you're like, what? (laughs) I wish Danger were. Do you know anyone whose middle name is Danger? No! (laughs) (laughs) They have to be out there. Listeners, if your middle name is Danger, like legitimately Danger, please let us know. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to meet somebody whose middle name is Danger. I I would love to uh, um, just go. <laughs> in their presence. <laughs> I was gonna say shake their hand, but I'm like, ah, still, it's like kind of weird with germs now. And <laughs> if we raise fifty thousand dollars, I'll change my my name to my middle name to Danger. Okay, okay. yeah, uh, we'll we'll donate it to a charity or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick a good charity, maybe like um, something to deface the corpse of Charles Manson. Um, oh, good. I, nice. I, I, just, uh-huh. I don't know if he's cremated, though, but we'll figure something out. We have to do some research. I know. I just don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I went on a little <laughs> too know? long with Did that. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I think that we talk about um, a different kind of monster today. What do you think? So, like, what do you think? What kind of monster are you thinking? Well, I'll tell you. Despite humans making voyages to space, we have yet to explore more than 80% of the oceans on this planet. Every time we set sail on the ocean, we are voyaging through the unknown. What is lurking under the cover of the deep, dark sea? While many have heard sailor stories of creatures of the depths, a lot of these can be explained away as a tall tale or a case of sea madness. However, one sea creature in particular continues to terrorize those of us who were born to be on land. Is this monster or myth? Is this zoology or cryptozoology? Let's explore these questions as we discuss the Kraken. Oh, and and I, I, I don't mean the Karen, which is scarier. I mean, that's something different. Way scarier. <laughs> this is the Kraken, the sea monster. We couldn't gather. Oh, I... <laughs> so are we also going to talk about semen in this episode Oh, absolutely. At all? I love talking about semen. Uh-huh. Um, it's you know one of my favorite things, honestly. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going uh, no. to go worse with this, but I'm like, I'm talking to my aunt and my mother listens to this. So let me just <laughs> I know. pump the brakes on so that's, that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, because you were thinking uh, semen like like the seeds of, of a man. What? No. Not like a man who sails the seven no. seas. No. What? <laughs> How dare you? I, dare I meant you. sailors, Stacy. <laughs> well, I mean, I actually am going to talk about sailors. So, are you also going to talk about um, the Kraken rum? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell a different story about Kraken. Um, oh, are there other stories? There actually are. Um, in <laughs> fact, um, the Kraken rum was named after this. <laughs> 
this creature, what? right? <laughs> oh, I thought it was the other one. Uh, yeah, I know. I could see the confusion, but it's okay. Like, I think we should start by exploring the myth of the Kraken. What do you say? Yeah, because actually I don't know anything about it. I know it's a big sea creature. <laughs> well, I guess let's uh, crack into this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I did not even write that one down. I just... <laughs> started saying it and I really liked it so <laughs> well I have a friend whose username is is Phil McCracken <laughs> and I don't know if that is uh like if he stole the joke from somebody or um if he made it up himself but it's good that's joke. beautiful it's a good username yeah I mean it's really a, a an art form in language I love it <laughs> While we all know the iconic phrase, release the Kraken, bellowed by Zeus in Clash of the Titans, the Kraken did not originate from ancient Greek mythology. True, Greek myths contained a number of mythological creatures like Scylla, the six-headed terrifying monster dwelling in a whirlpool (laughs) depicted in the Odyssey. But the Kraken had a different origin. Maytag? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so pleased with myself. Sorry. <laughs> You're not really good at guessing where <laughs> the backstory what? of the Kraken. <laughs> I guess I better take that skill off yeah, of me. Erase that. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe keep it on there because I think at this point you'll be able to know more about the origins of the Kraken. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> Um, this beast was actually part of Nordic folklore, originating back to 1180 CE. I wanted to clarify that because 80 sounds like A-D, but that's an outdated way of, uh, talking about time. It's C-E now. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. so 1180 CE by Norwegian King Sver, the Kraken began to infiltrate (laughs) the sailing community throughout Norway, Iceland, and Greenland. So many seamen. There were like, So many seamen with the Kraken. Yeah, just all over the place. <laughs> like, so spread out. Like, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Don't you, don't you bewitch me, Rachel. <laughs> I refuse to give in to your sorcery. <laughs> I meant sailors. So many sailors. Okay. So the Nordic Vikings would report about a massive creature that was often mistaken for one or a series of islands. So essentially, um, as the Vikings sailed towards the alleged island, they noticed the island was moving. (laughs) So they're, they're going towards an island and they're like, oh... Uh, hooray, we have found land we can come across. And then they're like, whoop, back it up, back it up. <laughs> Row backwards, everybody. <laughs> nope on out of here. <laughs> that island is moving. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, 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 nope. <laughs> um, Large tentacled arms would rise out of the water, falling back down toward the Viking ships. Oh, just again, so creepy. Just thinking about that. So, like, they think it's an island, and then all of a sudden, here come these arms. And it's like, no. (laughs) Just falling on top of them. So, 
if the ships were unharmed by the arm ambush, the monster would begin <laughs> swimming around the vessel. This strategy would cause a whirlpool to suck down the uh. ship into the sea. <sighs> this one. I hear they got a lot of sand, but under the sea, there's a hot crustacean <laughs> band. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that these uh, sailors got to hear the hot crustacean band because this island, which was actually the Kraken. A monster. Yeah. It could eat the entire crew of a ship with one gulp. Are you telling me it would just swallow a bunch of seamen? Uh-huh. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, Don't apologize to me. Apologize to the listeners. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's I'll, why I, yeah, say, I will feed in. To one listener in yeah. particular. <laughs> <laughs> There's one listener we would really like to apologize to. The rest of you, we're still sorry, but not as sorry. <laughs> she knows who she is. <laughs> So that sounds really bad for sailors, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you might think that they would try to avoid this creature and possibly all oceans at all costs, right? You would think, <laughs> but wait a minute. I was just reading. Nope. It, it, maybe it was a TikTok. Mm. I was just researching about <laughs> on TikTok about how lions and also house cats, they secrete this um this hormone that makes their prey feel like weirdly comfortable with them. And so with cats, it'll happen with mice. So mice will be impacted by this hormone and they'll just kind of like mosey on up to a cat and be like, Hey cat, what's up? And the cat's like, my appetite, get in my belly. And then they're like, Oh no. And so lions will do that too with, with hyena puppies. Is that similar? Does the Kraken release a hormone that makes the sailors want to go up next to no? Still, Your face is telling me I'm off track. Yeah, you're still not able to guess anything about the Orchid Kraken. I'm sorry. Hmm. I, I don't know why it was on your resume in the first place because not even close. That was interesting, but not at all where I no. was going with this. So, um, I mean, if you thought that they would stay away from the Kraken, you'd be wrong because the legend of the Kraken also mentions that the colossal creature is often accompanied by large schools of fish. So, if the kraken were to surface, the nearby fish would deluge into the fishermen's boats. So, greed. So, they'd go there because they would get all these yummy fish. I mean, if they're trying to feed, you know, their families and they need... Right. It doesn't always have to be greed. I mean, part of it could be. I mean, it's it's not necessarily the Mm. safest way to fish, but... I I mean, (laughs) you know what they say, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish near a crack and he'll either die or have a great haul. (laughs) They do say that. They do say that. It just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there, uh, there aren't too many other, I guess legends around it. So we know that it originated in um, Nordic folklore, and this is kind of what you would see. People, The sailors would think that they were coming up to an island or a series of islands, mm-hmm. and they realized that there was this giant sea creature. 
Um, and uh, some of them would perish, or some of them would be like, oh, hell yeah, we're eating fish tonight. So, <laughs> you know, it just kind of depended on <laughs> however <laughs> the, 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 how hungry the Kraken was, I guess, if it was in the mood for seeing. <laughs> or how, like, how good their navigator was, True. like their boat driver. Yeah. What do you call that? Captain. Their head seaman. <laughs> captain. I guess captain. <laughs> you just wanted to say seaman again. It's okay. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that just kind of lives in our minds. We always, like, when I say Kraken, people pretty much already know what I'm talking about. Um Mm-hmm. We've seen it in a lot of pop culture. Uh, if you play video games, anything that has to do with water, it's, of course, there's a Kraken boss. Um, if you drink rum, you know about the Kraken. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you just see it in a lot of, um, a lot of places, you know, a lot of media, a lot of, a lot of our culture. Um, but, uh, even though the Kraken is quite ubiquitous to the general public, let's describe its physical features. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you know, honestly, though, I have not seen a single movie with the Kraken in it. And I'm thinking, like... Have you seen Clash of the Titans? No. Have you seen um, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 or 3? No. No. I've seen The Little Mermaid, obviously, because I made The Little Mermaid joke. And I think that she kind of resembles uh, Ursula when she gets huge. She, yeah. She resembles a kraken maybe that's true yeah she does take uh uh influence from the kraken Ugh. i'm grabbing i'm grasping at straws like right. a kraken grasping at fisherman <laughs> gross <laughs> okay wait well i mean have you seen hotel transylvania 3 summer vacation it's no. in there I lived it though, but oh, no. And it's voiced by Joe Jonas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, there's. I love this title. It's a telemovie called Kraken Tentacles of the Deep. <laughs> it was Is that in, what? It sounds like you know what it sounds like. I know what it sounds like, but it's just funny. Like <laughs> it's like it's so melodramatic, but you're like. No, shockingly, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Also, it was in Atlantis, the sequel. <laughs> which was uh, during the phase where Disney was releasing, like, TV show pilots as one movie. <laughs> Why is that. the Kraken always the bridesmaid and never the bride? Well, except What's for the about? telemovie. <laughs> <laughs> it also did the, – the Kraken from Clash of the Titans made an appearance in the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> wow. Again, never the bride. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess because um, I've seen both Clash of the Titans and um, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 Dead Man's te- Chest, <laughs> um, that I was like, of course, the Kraken is, is everywhere. And like, I've played multiple video games in which the Kraken was um, a boss in it, and uh, you got to mm-hmm. fight a Kraken. Um, and then just like, I don't know, just TV shows in general, like, it just, it feels like something that, is almost mundane at this point. <laughs> I mean, I definitely know I have a picture of it, but I just don't know where that picture came from, except for maybe the rum bottle label. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> there's even a deodorant. <laughs> what? What is Old Spice. What does it smell like? Wow. There's an Old Spice <clears throat> Kraken deodorant. Is it deodorant for a Kraken? Um, no. It's... Or deodorant for a crack? 
All right, so talking about the the mythological cryptid creature, the kraken has several arms that are (laughs) attached to either a large head or a horn, which is also the head, but pointier. (laughs) Okay, so arms come out of its head. Yeah, so like you could like see that, but it's like from the bottom. So it's like, and it's like a head, and like instead of a neck and a torso, like we would uh-huh. see, it's like a head and then like a little bit of arms. a neck. Like an octopus? Arms. Yeah. <laughs> or like, <laughs> that's good. But, um, so, <laughs> um, attached to that head is a giant set of eyes and sharp horns throughout its body. Essentially, we're talking about a big old squid. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> While most cephalopods don't grow to the size of islands, there are indeed some enormous squid that can grow up to 46 feet long. That would be like Shaq standing <laughs> on the shoulders of five and a half other Shaq clones. <laughs> That's so many Shaqs. Six and a half Shaqs long. Six and a half Shaqs long. I still, I don't know if that's quite island sized. No, no, no. N- none of them have grown to the size of an island, but yeah. that is. Besides, no man is an island. <laughs> Even Shaq. Shackland. So, for more context, Mm -hmm. the longboats used by the Vikings, and when I say longboats, like picture, like the first thing that comes to your mind with when you think of Vikings and a long boat, you know, the the long ones, and they they all have their oars on the side and everything. So, those were 45 to 75 feet long, meaning that the creature would be as big as some of their boats. Yeah. Okay. So um, perhaps it's that, uh, like, that image of this creature being the size of a boat, that as boats got bigger, Mm -hmm. so did the Kraken. So Mm -hmm. now, you know, because if it can take down a ship, it's got to be big enough to take it down. So that's kind of... Uh, where this one goes, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's again, it's folklore, and that was from the 12th century. So here we are in the 21st century. We're still talking about the kraken. So and and our boats are much bigger now. <laughs> Hold a lot more. Right. Sooner. Well, and in <laughs> and in the 12th century, they didn't have cable, so <laughs> they probably had to like make up a lot like grander stories, mm-hmm. you know. So if they saw a squid that was almost as big as their boat, then all of a sudden it's like two times as big as their mm-hmm. boat. And then it's island-sized. And then as our boats grow, then our lives grow even bigger. Yeah, and I mean, even too, like, whether or not they were lying, they still may have mis- mistook it as an island, but, like, further away. And then, like, it moved, mm-hmm. and then they're like, that! <laughs> mm-hmm. Because depth perception also wasn't a big thing in the 12th century. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because I have poor depth perception, but I'm like, it's still, like, you know, 
with the sun and playing tricks on yeah. you and you're on a, Maybe on a boat. and semen get in your yeah, eye. Yeah, they are always getting <laughs> in my eye. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's just uh, for some context about, you know, the, the largest known squid that we've recorded and about the size of those boats. So, I mean, that's just the largest one that we have recorded. So, I'm not... I'm not making any uh, any assumptions here. I'm not calling out. Do you know when you said when you said the largest one we've recorded? Like I legit, what popped into my brain was like the squid in a recording studio wearing its like little headphones. That is the cutest, and it's like singing along, <gasps> you know, just grooving. Oh and then the the producer is like, "Oh, we got to stop now." And the squid's like. Ugh. That take was perfect. What happened? Like that's fun fact. The Kraken was actually one of the voices in the recording of "All You Need Is Love." Oh, so. See, this makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so, but what were you saying after? Oh, before I interrupted. Oh, that you was that was pretty much it. It was just that uh, you okay. know, as large as what we recorded. So I'm not really making any assertions as to um, whether or not um, there were bigger squids back in the day. You know, you know, mm-hmm, the actual Kraken. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, an article will circulate with the title, like, proof of legendary Kraken, question mark, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> if you take the clickbait, you'll see that they're referencing either the giant squid or the colossal squid. Oh, <laughs> curveball there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Even though I'm an expert on Kraken origins. I think you're a liar. I'm putting it back on my resume. It's <laughs> <laughs> going yeah. on. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm giving you some credibility here. But before that, you Thank were you. a total liar. <laughs> <laughs> Your pants were on fire. <laughs> um, both creatures are very similar, but there are a few distinctions and by that, I mean between the giant squid and the colossal squid. Kind of like there's a difference between a giant asshole and a colossal asshole. Correct, yeah. <laughs> but it's not just semantics here. <laughs> mm. There are um, measurable differences. So, Oh, do tell. Yeah. Um, so, for example, the giant squid may be longer, but the colossal squid is a heavyweight champ weighing in at 1,080 pounds. Compared to the giant squid's 606 pounds. Oh, hey, yeah. yeah. Colossal. Okay, okay, so for fun, you can tell I had a lot of fun on, on this website, like how you did with your generator. Uh-huh. <laughs> the colossal squid weighs as much as a polar bear, whereas <laughs> the giant squid weighs half that, or 30 dachshunds. 30? 30, yeah. So a colossal <laughs> squid is like 60 dachshunds. <laughs> and I want I want to okay. ask you, who do you think uh-huh. would win in a fight? <laughs> One polar bear or 30 dachshunds? A polar bear. Oh. Oh, you answered that way quicker than I thought you would. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I live with I live with well really technically I only live with two dachshunds and then two chewings, mm-hmm. but 
No, like, I mean, I bet I could take down 30 dachshunds. <laughs> I think they would take me down because I'd be like, no, like I would like <laughs> let them like run all over me. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> my childhood dog is a dachshund. Uh, I, I want to say my dog, but uh, I want to make the distinction kind of like the colossal squid and the giant squid between oh, Ramsey and Rocky. And Rocky's the little dachshund. He's so cute and he's adorable. He would not win in a fight against anything. <laughs> no, not even if there were 30 of him. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to remind you that you have a completely different attitude towards life than a polar bear does. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't like... You can't just put yourself in a polar bear's place and then assume, like, that the same outcome would occur. Okay. I was mostly asking this question for fun, <laughs> Rachel. I thought it would be humorous for the podcast. And you have to tell me that I don't know what a polar bear is going through. I'm sorry. I know that we're destroying its home. I didn't mean to. No. I just wanted to talk about polar bears and dachshunds. Now you're bringing in climate change and you're going <laughs> to talk to me about bringing this down? Now I'm crying. Now I got to now we got to get Greta Thunberg oh, on. Oh no. Okay, well how about how about instead let's let's talk about squids again. <laughs> Oh, okay. bring it back. Are we destroying their <laughs> habitats, too? I'm so sorry. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I got more fun facts, and they're actually fun. <laughs> let's, let's try not to ruin it, Rachel. <laughs> I'm sorry, but ruining shit is also on my resume. Oh, okay. Well, that one I believe. That one I didn't even need to help you with. <laughs> cephalopods have eight arms and two tentacles, and the arms are shorter than the tentacles. I don't know if anyone else is confused, but I used to think that the word tentacles referred to any appendage on squids or octopuses. However, <laughs> am I alone in that? Did you think that too? I, I didn't even think that there was a different way to think of it. And I also really wish that we had like, the visual medium going on here because listeners, she's like, she's acting out a lot of the stuff that she's talking about today and it's adorable. <laughs> one day, one day we will do videos once we have um, a big enough production team and everyone will get to see my tentacle movement my squid arms <laughs> my cephalopod arms appendages yeah. my cephalopod appendages big words I'm smart um, <laughs> um I, I'm a, I talk with my hands so um, maybe the kraken does too maybe the kraken was just trying to talk to the uh the boat maybe it was all a big misunderstanding oh guys i'm so sorry i sank your boat my bad <laughs> um that's what the kraken sounds like anyway um so yeah i i used to think the tentacles were the arms it just uh -huh. all like everything is a tentacle on on those things. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I was wrong. I'll admit it. I'll be the bigger, right. I'll be the bigger person, um, and admit that. <laughs> um, but 
We don't do that here. I also might be wrong in saying that the plural for squid is squids, so I'm sorry if I'm uh, really annoying people, uh, but I, I don't I don't know the difference. I'm ignorant. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, squids and cuttlefish are the only cephalopods with tentacles. What? Yeah, so the other cephalopods oh. like octopuses and sorry, I <laughs> um uh, it, it's it's like the ancient one. It's called the Nautilus, and it's the one. Um, okay, so I'm probably not going to make as much sense to you in my metaphor here or my description, I guess, Rachel. But uh, it looks like one of the ancient Pokemon <laughs> that has the the shell uh, and everything, and it's uh, mm-hmm. you always see it as a um a fossil mostly. So it's one of those, hmm. those ancient types of Pokemon, but um, probably a better description is that like, it kind of has like a, um, a snail type shell to it. And then like mm-hmm. the arms come out of it. And, Oh, and here's another fact, just, you know, since I'm on the topic, they, their limbs, they have more than 90 arms, but none of them have. Wait, are we talking about the, not- the Nautilus yeah, the right Nautilus. now? Okay. Yeah. They have 90 arms, but... No section cups. And they're not tentacles. Yeah, correct. They're not tentacles, okay. and they're, they're arms that don't even have suction cups. So... Why do they need 90 arms? That's suspicious. I, I don't know. We can ask them, but they're, like... Okay. They're very close to, like, their ancient cousins or, you know, whatever. Their descendants. Mm-hmm. Their ancestors. They're similar in that way. So maybe back in the day that was really necessary, and now it's just excessive. Get over yourself. Would you rather have 90 tiny arms or one arm that was bigger than you? 90 tiny arms. I just, <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes you need to carry a lot of things, especially if I was still mm-hmm. um, uh, identifying as female and dressing as a female mm-hmm. because we don't have fucking pockets that are adequate <laughs> to point. hold necessary <laughs> items because they want us to buy purses. They want us to be dependent on men with their pockets. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I can't go to wearing men's clothing. My ass looks so much better in women's clothing. I don't have a big enough <laughs> butt to make the change. <laughs> I've gotten off on way too many tangents here. I'm talking about the Kraken. Not <laughs> <laughs> no, pockets. We're changing the direction of this podcast. You know what? Listen here. Okay, I'm getting real. No, <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> that's my sound that i've been making whenever i need to get back on track so i like it it's a mulligan sound. yeah i hope it works <laughs> so yeah so like we said the uh, squids and cuttlefish are the only cephalopods with tentacles and to put it simply the tentacles have suckers and hooks at just the end as opposed to suckers and hooks going down their arms so um, like the suction cup ah. suckers that you associate with, those are for tentacles. It's like only it's like a hand. It's like only mm-hmm. on like the mm-hmm. hand, and then the rest of it is the arm. So mm-hmm. w- that has the the suction cups and the um and the hooks on it. Huh. I learned something. Too. Yeah, you thought you knew everything, and you didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I humbled you. Now I do. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um, so um, the the giant squid's tentacles are much longer than their arms. Like that's why they're so long, <laughs> is because of those tentacles. 
Not that size matters much in this case, because <laughs> those suckers and hooks that I mentioned earlier <laughs> are mm-hmm. used to grasp their prey to prevent it from escaping. <gasps> it's like the worst hug ever. This is like, yeah. <laughs> and in their hooks, like you can see um, uh, like fossils and such from from them. And even though it's they're mostly muscle, they still have like they're sharp hooks and for like for the colossal squid um they have some on their tentacles that can like move around (gasps) they can move their tentacles yeah they can move their tentacle hooks and like grab onto things with a different vantage point so it's almost like fingers at that point um but then the ones that are on their arms they don't move like they're they're fixed but they're still like super powerful it's just like they have to maneuver their arms around in a way to hold on to whatever they want, but with their tentacles, they can, like, grab. <laughs> so, for the Kraken, I mean, it's using those tentacles and those uh, mobile hooks, I guess, to grab onto mm-hmm. boats and and pull them in, and um, that's how they that's how they get you. Ooh, Ooh, is it a creepy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's And I didn't know that they were so scary yeah and mean right and and it's like if you actually watch video of squid it's it's unsettling (laughs) (laughs) well and they have beaks too yes they do have beaks it's kind of like bird beaks (laughs) in a sense um (laughs) so um squids can also swim forwards and backwards very quickly which this could be the reason why sailors thought it was creating a whirlpool to engulf vulnerable vessels I love alliteration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, it's it's swimming back and forth around the boat, and they're just seeing this thing, and they're thinking it's going, you know, so fast because it's it's just everywhere at once, and maybe it is kind of creating a bit of a current. And they're like, "Oh no, it's gonna make it wobble, and we're gonna go into it!" And, like freaking out. Our vulnerable Viking vessels. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, they wouldn't say that. I am saying that um, because I was referring to the immigration. <laughs> I apologize. Again, it's an aud- audible medium. I should be aware of that. <laughs> you couldn't see the excitement in my face. <laughs> so um, at this point, sounds like mystery is solved. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I, ex- yeah. <laughs> so that is unless you believe that a massive cephalopod lurks at the bottom of the ocean, not yet cataloged. I do believe that. Yeah, not yet cataloged by zoologists. <laughs> because we haven't even been down to the bottom of most of the ocean, right. like you said. Yeah, at the top of the episode, I did mention that more than 80% of it has not been discovered. So, I mean, just because we see these, you know, relatively big squids, that doesn't mean that a kraken-like creature is down in the deep depths of the ocean. Yeah, there is one. I mean, maybe the kraken chooses to no longer surface, or maybe when it does, no one lives to tell the tale. (gasps) Never thought about that, huh? Like, now now the kraken is just like, okay, I figured out what I need to do to take these ships down. I'm not going to mess around and let any sailors go around telling people I'm an island. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's rude. Yeah. I'm not that big. Yeah. I mean, I know I need to lose a little weight, but. And what about like ghost ships? Maybe like the Kraken has learned to like just to kind of scoop people out of the ships and gobble them up. That's true. Cause um, a lot of uh, 
the research that I was doing, um, I felt like I was doing research on the Bermuda Triangle again. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just um, uh, a lot of strange things, like with the whirlpools and the giant squids and mm-hmm. all of that. Like, we have seen um, some of this stuff is corroborated <laughs> with modern yeah. precious science. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've seen these things happen, and um, I don't know, but maybe there's a bigger one. And it's chilling somewhere that we can't see. Or maybe Aww. it, like, pops up every once in a while and is, like, looking for a snack and then goes back <laughs> into mm-hmm, its little mm-hmm. cave or something. Kraken cave. Now, if you'll allow me to go off the deep end for a bit, <laughs> I'd like to share with you a somewhat related conspiracy theory to the Kraken. And that is octopuses. Mm-hmm. are aliens. <gasps> I love it. <laughs> okay, so we've already called out owls and now octopuses. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I am so excited to talk about this one. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Will. I know he's listening. <laughs> yeah, Will. Uh, he's following. Uh, he was my former boss and we talked about um, things like this. So Needless to say, we got along very well. Um, he had brought this one up to me, and I was like, you can't tell me this. Like, I, <laughs> I, my entire life is just, like, my reality is just shattered right now. I, I can't, because <laughs> once he kind of started talking about it, I was like, this is, <sighs> it makes too much sense. Yeah, so he's always been really afraid of um, octopuses, and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's fine, it's whatever. But now, like, especially after, like, researching this even further, I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. <gasps> like, it freaks me out. So, okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. I already believe, so. Right, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't, I probably don't have to do that much convincing. (laughs) We all know that those things are weird and too smart. (laughs) Too smart. They're amazing. Yeah. So, okay, but I will explain a bit more about this theory to make you, dear listener, even more creeped out. (laughs) Let's start with their intelligence. So this this portion, it's all going to be about why. They're aliens, like evidence for why they're aliens. Octopuses started off as mollusks, and after a few million years, cephalopods were able to develop a complex nervous system. So they branched out, they evolved, and then uh, into cephalopods, and then they evolved into ones that we know of today with their complex nervous systems. Mm -hmm. These nervous systems included big brain energy. And sophisticated behaviors. <laughs> and, like a, a literal brain as well. <laughs> its coordination, vision, and ability to learn make the octopus a fearsome foe. Mm-hmm. Octopuses can even use tools. God damn there, it. There are accounts of octopuses in labs figuring out how to open jars. And some uh-huh. can even remember certain locations. Yeah. They remember that they've been there before. And... They know, oh, that's the jar that I got to open to get my food. Nom, yeah. nom, nom. Like, it's crazy. I mean, like, we're over here, like, thinking we're all high and mighty with our opposable thumbs. And then this octopus just comes in and just totally owns us. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I can use tools, too. What of it? And I can breathe underwater. <laughs> and then, like, the only thing that it wishes it could do is give us the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> but since it has an even amount of limbs, it really can't. It doesn't even have a middle. Like yeah, a how is it supposed to arm. do that? 
Yeah, because the octopus um, only has eight arms and no tentacles. Yeah. What's even weirder is that apart from their main brain, (laughs) each arm (laughs) contains its own smaller independent processor. No. (laughs) It's like mini brains in the arms. (laughs) Stranger still, the octopus is, in a sense, somewhat self-aware. It's got so many brains, it has to be, right? (laughs) (laughs) If not, I wouldn't be impressed. I'd be like, so what? You just have a ton of brains, you don't even use them? But no, these guys, they use them. They're smart. So it's constantly updating information about itself and its environment to monitor and regulate its behavior and body. Uh, I wish I could do that. (laughs) I mean, technically, we're supposed to be able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we are? I mean, yeah, on a technicality, I guess, but <laughs> nobody actually does. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, it's it's not certain whether or not these creatures have complex thoughts. Perhaps their thoughts only go as far as, I see a fish, I see a container, my arms can hold this container, my arms can move the obstruction on the container, I can eat the fish. So, I mean, it's uh, like it could be pretty simple and objective um, and not necessarily like if this, then this, um, you know, in precious science, when you learn about hypotheses, mm-hmm. um, it's it's more of knowing um, the steps to a solution. Yeah, yeah. Steps. Yeah. Remember how I said earlier that octopuses started as mollusks? Yeah, I do remember that. For those who don't know what a mollusk is, um, those are essentially snails or clams. Mm -hmm. What do octopuses eat? Well, according to the National Wildlife Federation, quote, newly hatched octopuses will eat small foods such as copepods, larval crabs, and (laughs) sea stars. Mm -hmm. Adult octopuses Mm -hmm. feed on crabs clams, snails, small fishes, and even other octopuses. We talked about this. We talked about this with owls and how that was why owls were clearly alien. This makes sense, too, that octopuses are clearly aliens. Yeah. Yes! Oh, my gosh. And they both start with an O. I mean, that's probably not as strong (laughs) as a point, but I just really wanted to mention that one, too. But these are cannibals. They eat other octopuses, and they eat snails and and clams and whatnot. That's what their past lives, what they used to be. Yes! I'm half the man I used to be because I ate him. That's what the octopus sings. Yeah, and, and that's the, the most complex thought uh, from the octopus. <laughs> Very philosophical. Right. Um, the National Wildlife Federation continues, quote, All species of octopus have venom of varying levels of toxicity, which they inject using a beak that is similar to a bird's. Uh-huh. They typically hunt at night, pouncing on their prey and wrapping it in the webbing between their arms. They penetrate hard-shelled prey with their beaks. Mm. Rachel, mm. I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we turn these things into calamari. They're bound to stab us with their venom for revenge. We've earned it. Yeah. We, we deserve it. Oh, my gosh. This is, oh, my gosh. I am, uh, if you're not scared of octopuses by now, then I, I guess I should continue. <laughs> you, you should. You should anyways. 
Yeah, I'll do it even if you are already scared of them. Because, <laughs> um, I just really want want to um, enforce your fear of <laughs> octopuses. You're saving lives. You know, one plate of calamari at a time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm not even done with the creepiness of the octopus. I just, uh, if we were to look at human genomes, we would see roughly 25,000 protein coding genes. Yeah, that's a uh, that's what I see every time I look at a human genome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, we're we're doing that quite often. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> for no reason, but yeah. Uh, an octopus genome has 33,000 more? Well, total. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean it's But they have yeah, more than have we more do. More than us. Why? We have 25,000, they have 33,000. Why do they need more than we do? Yeah, I don't know why they need that. I thought you know, like we were showing off, but look at them with the 33,000 yeah. protein coding genes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an octopus. So I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's my objective opinion. <laughs> uh, well, my objective opinion of you octopus is that you're delicious battered and fried. Ooh. I would like it, but it's I don't like the texture. <laughs> also, I just I kind of feel bad because like they're definitely gonna take over one day. So that's true. So eat them while you um, can. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> while we're still at the top of the food chain, might as well. <laughs> um, these genomes are what give the octopus its stellar vision and camera-like <gasps> eyes, <gasps> its complex brain and nervous system, flexibility, and advanced camouflage mm, their camouflage mm. is nutso it is bananas yeah. it is yeah. mind-blowing <laughs> yeah so by by that i mean they are just changing color like some chameleon <laughs> they're mimicking patterns mm-hmm. actual patterns and they can change their body shape better to better blend in mm-hmm. what the hell even are these things aliens Oh, okay. And so we've had this this topic on our radar for a while, and uh, we're going to talk about it. But uh, recently, at the time of recording, so it's not going to be pretty recent to you guys. But um, <laughs> John Oliver last week tonight did mm-hmm. um, like a mini thing about octopuses and and their like camouflage and all that stuff. But they didn't. Ta- he didn't talk about them being aliens. So. <laughs> I got him on that one. Yeah, yeah. He missed a pretty big story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how that <laughs> snuck past him, but okay. Are you ready for the kicker? No. Oh, okay, yes. Yes, be. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. I'm bracing okay. myself with only my only two arms that I suddenly know. feel really inadequate. <laughs> you have to use your fingers instead of your hooks. Okay. Your suction cups. Right. <laughs> okay. An article was published in Progress of Biophysics and Molecular Biology in 2018. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure we all remember seeing this when it Mm -hmm. came out. Yes. We all read scientific journals for fun. Like, Mm -hmm. I love Progress of Biophysics and Molecular Biology. Right. I know. (laughs) That's my favorite journal. Great subject. I mean, it's it's a little broad. You know, I I, I tend to like to go a little bit more specialized. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's it's two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) this article published by Edward J. Steely at all <laughs> you know uh, sorry other scientists there are way too many names scientists um, <laughs> precious scientists you don't even get names first sorry no that was mean <laughs> I genuinely feel bad for these imaginary scientists I know <laughs> like, 
Well, I mean, these are real scientists that made the, 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 the study, but like the hypothetical ones that we're talking to. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> walking on eggshells here. Uh, in in this um, article, it aimed to find the origins of life on Earth. However, it seemed as though they were able to find the origins of life, not necessarily from Earth. Mm. <laughs> I love it when something is posted in the scientific journal that I get to use. <laughs> I know. It's so great. Um, <laughs> this article posits that extraterrestrial viruses have interfered with terrestrial evolution millions of years ago. Dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? So we talked space, about that, like, with comets and stuff, dropping off yeah. little viruses and... Yeah. Uh-huh. Space messed up our evolution. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, I don't know why I didn't just say that before. I mean, that makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, there are a couple of theories presented in this article as to how the octopus, as we know it, evolved from alien DNA. Mm-hmm. The first is that frozen octopus eggs hitched a ride on a comet that crashed into Earth. Those eggs thawed and boom, octopuses. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the frozen octopus eggs were from elsewhere, hitched uh-huh. right on a comet, and then came. Uh-huh. Yeah. Feasible. Done. Yeah. yeah. So like maybe they were like already frozen and then they like froze to a comet and that's what came to Earth and crashed. That's why it was able to stay on there. It's not um, – they're not saying that the eggs were sentient and mm-hmm. knew to hang on to it. It's just – it was like they happened to be there and that's how they ended up. You know, it could have been a practical joke from an alien. So, for example, when I worked at a restaurant and we served calamari, um, one time uh, my friend who worked in the kitchen snuck outside and tied some calamari to my car antenna. <laughs> <laughs> so – I bet something like that could happen, like a little, you know, like jokester alien is like, <laughs> I'm going to put these these eggs on this comet, and he's not going to know. <laughs> I'm putting your young on a comet. <laughs> They're probably going to die in the cold, harsh reality of space. <laughs> Where's your car antenna? <laughs> so I'm guessing okay. that's what happened, because I can relate it to my own personal experience, and so that makes it more real to me. Oh, perfect. Yeah, whatever you need to do. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so so the theory of, of it being on a comet, um, this is due to the fact that it's pretty hard to trace the ancestry of the octopus to a known lineage. Except I just did. I literally just did. <laughs> well, uh, an <laughs> earthly one. Oh, I see. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't you just say that they were considered mollusks? <laughs> I was thinking that. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. Well, if you are still hung up on that, don't worry. There's okay. another theory. Oh, I'm so worried. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Calm down. It's okay, Rachel. <laughs> um, the article also suggests that perhaps an extraterrestrial virus infected the mollusks, specifically the cephalopods. This is why they branched off and developed their super smart nervous systems. Mm. This is where you're going to go like, okay, okay. So, yeah, everybody's happy with this one, right? <laughs> yeah, because it could still follow the same, you know, the same reasoning for my other story, too. Like, it could still be practical joke territory. So, yeah, it could be like practical joke. Let's throw your tissue on this comet. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh my gosh, that actually impacted uh, a planet's <laughs> ecosystem and development. Shoot. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> but it just makes, like, legit, this makes sense. This does. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so crazy. It must be true. Right. Uh, essentially, the complex virus mutated with the simple creature that existed at the time, which is why the octopuses we know and love today <laughs> um, <laughs> are part of our ecosystem, kind of like what we were saying. So, mm -hmm. again, it's weird that they eat other animals within their own species. Mm -hmm. But if maybe it was some kind of, like, host situation and um, the cephalopod had to evolve to grow with the host or uh, for the host to survive, um, you know, it was one of those kind of – it's like a parasite. Mm -hmm. um, in order to continue to survive, it would – keep like mating with others until they got their um super smart octopuses so it sounds like a horror movie it really does i mean part of me is like i'm having to to make a lot of leaps here to get there but also part of me is like oh, but really though really science <laughs> what what are we saying here like, <laughs> Spill the tea, science. I have to know. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm going to choose to ignore the criticisms of this article because a lot of this theory like hinges on, on the evidence presented within it. So, octopuses are creepy, and the world just isn't ready to accept the fact that they are actually aliens and have infiltrated our ecosystem. Right. I agree. Yeah. So, um... That's a fun fact about octopuses and cephalopods in general. Mm -hmm. um, so once again, going back to the Kraken, it's possible that it's also an alien. Because when I had to do my super quick Google search to qualify for Discovery Channel <laughs> status, uh <-huh>. um, <laughs> I did also find out squids also eat other squids. Isn't that strange? That is strange. Isn't that strange that they also eat those within their mm -hmm. lineage? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Time to stroke your imaginary beard <laughs> <laughs> and ponder that for a moment. See, you're <laughs> you still young enough their... that your beard is imaginary. <laughs> you think. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> So... That's just a fun one to, to kind of throw out there uh, while we're on the subject of the Kraken and cephalopods. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. And it makes sense. And especially if we're thinking like alien and maybe even has a way home, you know, through mm -hmm. the blue hole um, that we talked about in our yes. Bermuda Triangle episode and all the manganese ore and stuff that's around there. I mean – yeah, mm -hmm. I can see it as being an alien and also being mistaken, like a, a kraken being an alien octopus type of thing and then being mistaken for something else. And Yeah, I mean, maybe they just grow a lot bigger on their home planet and that's where they come through the blue holes and uh, the traveling through space and time through the Bermuda Triangle. Like, uh -huh. Maybe that's where they all went. Maybe that was a thing um, back in the day, and now everyone's like, oh, don't be silly. It's just a giant squid, and a giant squid isn't even that big in comparison. 
Yeah, we don't yeah. know how big the ships were in outer space. Probably pretty yeah. big. Yeah, I imagined big enough to hold a kraken. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Your ignorance is showing. Yeah. Imaginary straw man. <laughs> 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 so, in a way, the kraken is similar to the Texan version of El Chupacabra and that they both ended up being technically recognized by zoologists. <laughs> What's it is known that we have been cohabitating with something that is pretty mundane. It's no longer scary. That is, of course, unless you were to actually encounter it. <laughs> Imagine you're on a boat and a squid surfaces, taking up the same amount of space as your mm. vessel. Whether you're on a battleship or a raft, perspective matters. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I think that I am actually like, just as scared as octopuses as I am of the Kraken now. So thank you. <laughs> like uh, cephalopods in general, they're just, they're terrifying. They're not from here. They don't even go here. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, uh, it's just, it's weird. So like, again, like if you were to go into more detail um, into that theory that I had mentioned uh, before with um uh, octopuses being aliens, mm -hmm. um, then you might start to kind of see just how strange all of it is. And if you were to actually look into that article, they kind of make this assertion that their DNA is not from here. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's totally new. And these things evolve in such a weird way, and they're smart, and it's just, they're creepy. <laughs> like, I mean, at first I was like, oh, it's kind of endearing. It's kind of cute. Because I I think my brain must be wired wrong. But. Um, <laughs> no, I love octopuses and cephalopods and cuttlefish. Like, I really do. They're amazing. Um, but I'm scared of them. Yeah. And, and again, here's the thing. We're not advocating for the harm of any cephalopods whatsoever. <laughs> um, they're already part of the ecosystem, so doing anything bad to them, that's just... Except mm, for bro. frying them and eating them. <laughs> that's well, okay. I'd still say... I'd, I'd be careful if you do that. <laughs> Don't do it yourself. They're going to find you. Yeah. I mean, if they have a way to, like, trace it back to you, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you went outside and there was a calamari tied to your car? <laughs> uh, I think it would depend on the context. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were there and we no. just left a restaurant, I'd be like, ha, that's so funny. But, like, if I just left my apartment and somebody uh -huh. had tied – first of all, I don't even think I really have – like an antenna on my car. I know. This was a 94 um, Hyundai. <laughs> but um, even so, um, if I were to find calamari um, and I wasn't expecting it, like I'm just going to work or something, my I would call into work. I'd be like, I'm sorry. I can't come in today. <laughs> There's an alien on my car. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> I got to call NASA. <laughs> um, yeah, what would you do? I mean, what did you do, I guess? Uh, well, I knew I had context for it, uh, so I already I knew who had done it. Um, I remember like being very confused, like what is that, and like, <laughs> and then going up to it and then seeing <laughs> what it was, 
I'm just I laughed a lot and then oh my yeah, gosh that's good <laughs> oh gross it's so it's such a gross thing to think about but <laughs> uh. so Stacy the good news about my section is that it's about the Loch Ness monster and she's Freshwater, mostly, so I won't be making semen jokes this time. <laughs> so now I'm a little I mean, crazy you still there. can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and listen, I'll let you. Thank you. I do avoid making eye contact with Stacy when I'm making jokes like that. So. I think we both do. I think we end up staring off into space and just saying them and realizing that we've just said that in front of a family member. Because right. honestly, probably a, a large portion of our listener audience is our family. I mean, I, I'll pretend that that is not true. Okay, that's solid. So... Nessie. In 565 AD, or 580 AD, according to some sources, St. Columba, an Irish abbot and missionary evangelist, made his way into Scotland to convert the Picts, who were a group of Celtic-speaking people in the north. Along the way, Columba heard tale of a strange beast in the loch, a beast who had gobbled up one of the Picts. When Columba's disciple, Lunye, decided to take a dip in Loch Ness, this terrifying water beast appeared and began to hunt. Columba, a future saint who was well-versed in performing miracles, summoned his Jesus juju, raised his hand, and commanded that the monster go back with all speed. And so the monster stopped in its currents, and I tailed it out of there to the sound of everyone applauding. Dunye was saved. And St. Columba became responsible for the first written account of what we now refer to as the Loch Ness Monster. So you said Jesus Juju? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Because I, I trailed off when I was doing that in my little applause thing. So I think I ended up saying Jesus Jew. And I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Jesus juice, and I was like, I don't think she said that. That's why. And then, of course, ADD came in. <laughs> well, but Jesus was a Jew, right? I know. I just didn't want to call him out on that. You know, I don't want to define people by their religion. Right, right. True. So I've never been to Loch Ness. Have you? No. <laughs> but I do know that it's in Scotland. And oh, yes. I'm warning, fair warning, guys. I am going to try some Scottish accents, and you know that I'm terrible, 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 terrible at them. Uh, my best friend has been asking me to stop all day, and I was like, I will not. I will not stop. <laughs> I will also do a horrible Scottish accent, and I'm excited. <laughs> it's very exciting. I do have a script for you. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> but before we do that, let me set the scene and tell you about the lock itself. Okay, okay, okay. So it's in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, Loch Ness is long, skinny, and deep. Uh, I wrote like a philosophical spaghetti noodle. Ooh, okay. <laughs> long, skinny, and deep. <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> the spaghetti noodle likes to ponder why we're here. and <laughs> Especially it smokes a little marinara and then it starts yeah. getting really philosophical. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what are we? Are we just impostors? <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like our affinity for puns, Loch Ness is essentially an abyss as the official greatest depth is 754 feet 
Or as what would make sense for our listeners, 106 Shaquille O'Neal clones standing on top of each other with the one on top balancing a can of RC Cola on his head. <laughs> so that's 106 Shaquille Yeah, that's, that's how our listeners are able to <laughs> visualize this. So that's a lot of Shaqs. A lot of Shaqs. And Shaq clones. Yes. It's again, so many clones. clones. here. <laughs> Loch Ness is also a nutrient-poor body of water, and it's considered oligotrophic, which means oh. it's low, low in plant nutrients but high in oxygen in its depths. Yeah, you said that like you knew what it was, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you're you. A, well, I do. You're a precious scientist. <laughs> I know. I do love precious science, and they came through with this one with oligotrophic. I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. It's also the – it's commonly the site of standing waves known as seiches. Have you heard of a seiche? I have not. It's a. It's similar to when you scoot real fast in the bathtub. I don't know if you've done this as an <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I do it now. Yeah. <laughs> so you scoot back and forth and the water kind of sloshes forward and backwards. So it, it's kind oh, of yeah. like a wave that's contained within a body of water. Um, so mm -hmm. when you create seiches in your tub, it's with your own force, but, um, in lakes, they're usually created by a shift in atmospheric pressure or wind or the Loch Ness monster. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. How else would it get there? Right. I mean, there's not enough wind. No. In Scottish <laughs> Highlands, they're... No. <laughs> they need more. They're always like, man, <laughs> I wish I could fly a kite, but I just can't. There's no wind. <laughs> Where's my kite? Oh, oh, no, I missed my chance. <laughs> There'll be plenty of chances. Okay, okay, okay. I'll remember that for later. <laughs> so also an interesting thing, I don't know if this really has anything to do with with Nessie, but I found this interesting that Loch Ness never freezes because it's so deep. So this, there's a process called thermocline, and this is when water that's getting to freezing temperature, like as it freezes, it sinks below the warmer water, and then the warmer water comes up and replaces it. And so then as it starts to freeze, it oh. sinks below. So because the volume of water in Loch Ness is so mind-bogglingly huge, it can continuously thermocline and never freeze, even in negative 20-degree mm. winters, which happens. Oh, wow. 20-degree Fahrenheit? Oh, I, you know, I <laughs> didn't look. God okay. damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? I didn't... I didn't ask that question. We all just we all just knew. Either way, it's cold. <laughs> I was like, I'm assuming it's Celsius, but <laughs> um, wait, wouldn't that be yeah. really really cold if it were Celsius? I don't actually know. I how mean, this I works. just assumed it was Celsius because of it's in Scotland, right? And, <laughs> right. But also, I don't know what source you got it from. So, right. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just wish that maybe America would switch to metric. The stupid. <sighs> Empire system I know, or whatever those we Americans. have. Americans. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, people are like, oh my God, Americans, they're so dumb. Why don't they? Do I'm like, I would have liked that. I was not in charge. I can't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell you. This is just how I grew up. Well, you're in charge <laughs> now, so do something about it. I don't, I'm not that good at being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not in charge. Remember, it's the senile old people that are still in charge. Right. That's true. Because that's America. Yay. Everything is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the stuff about the Loch Ness, it contributes to the fact that it produces a lot of visual anomalies, such as surface mirages, 
um, debris and oddly shifting currents. And it also makes it really difficult to explore, although that's mostly due to its depth. Uh, Just to give you a sense sense of the size of this body of water, the whole world's population could fit in it 15 times over. What? Yeah, I know. And at first I was like, that's bullshit. This is like, this is not a credible source. But I did find it on multiple sources. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't know why, but that that broke me. I mean, (laughs) I, oh, oh, I don't like that. That, um, that's too much water. (laughs) It is too much water. It is too much water. I don't like that. I mean, we have so many people on this planet. Oh, I don't. Oh, that's weird. Okay, carry carry on. Okay. I'll I'll just have my little crisis. Okay, it, it might speak. help you to know that they're not actually in there. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, we're not. No. We're not I in the it, Loch Ness. I thought this whole time. I mean, also like <laughs> our recording equipment might not be work work as well if we were. You know that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was I was mostly freaking out about the the, the thought of there being that much room mm-hmm. in this lock. <laughs> well, if that's scary, did you know that some people think there's a monster in it? Let me tell you about the monster. <laughs> Oh, I don't think the monster is as scary as the fact that it's so deep. <laughs> Probably not, actually. Based on the various sightings that have been reported, here's what we can glean she looks like. Okay. She's gray. Maybe she's green. Maybe she's black. She's serpentine. She has a face that looks like a seal or a small deer. Oh, what a cute face. Mm-hmm. She moves with vertical undulations. Hell yeah, and I she am does. Vertically undulating. I right now. see it. Yeah. <laughs> like a caterpillar or like how Tina from Bob's Burgers dances. That's so right. Like, <laughs> not in a horizontal side to side undulation like a snake. Ooh. But you know, like if Tina were on her belly and undulating like she does when she dances. Yes. Like if you're doing the worm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, this is typically a mammalian movement when done in the water. So, although oh. caterpillars obviously are not mammals, even if they happen to be in the water. And Tina also is not a mammal because she's a cartoon. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mammal thing. So if you were curious about, you know, um, what order the Loch Ness monster is, she's probably mammal. Interesting, but she's an aquatic mammal. Uh huh. Like yeah, like a seal or a walrus or yeah. our boys, the otters. Yes, otters oh, so cute. <laughs> Wait, okay. Quick side note, just uh, otter uh-huh. appreciation because I adore them. Okay. They're the greatest, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that you were also super into otters. And it's just, it's just a good time. I mean, I I didn't realize how similar we were. It's like we're the mm-hmm. same person, but you it's know, so weird. Just this this love of otters. They're so cute, and they've got a special rock that they like to hold on to and it's just it's great look up otters sometimes otter facts i get tagged in them all the time but i've already seen them so (laughs) (laughs) but feel free to tag her again yeah (laughs) as a little refresher yeah i I always love to see it okay moving on (laughs) okay back to nessie so she also has four flippers or maybe what somebody described as soft feet i hate that (laughs) i hate that as well (laughs) soft feet like soft feet like you know she like lotions them up and gets nice pedicures or soft like they're like squishy and like globby i hate the thought of a squishy globby foot 
I mean, <laughs> ooh, like where are your bones? <laughs> <laughs> well, the flippers have also been described as stubby legs. So, <laughs> no! Like stubby legs and blobby feet. <laughs> Something about every time we talk about a cryptid, it just always like somebody has to describe it in a way that's so unsettling. I hate it. Somebody give me me. <laughs> no, like that's like where did you get that from? From somebody else. That's what I'm saying. That's true. Like, well, guys, just <laughs> get better at your descriptions. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm coming up with a cheer for Nessie. Okay. Stubby legs, blobby feet. The Loch Ness monster can't be beat. <laughs> Go Nessie! <laughs> Some mean people also said that she was loathsome and repulsive. And I'd like to take this moment to remind everybody that words matter. <laughs> How dare you? Nessie is beautiful and she's trying her best. Every day she is hashtag girl boss <laughs> of the lock. She's... The H-B-I-C. <laughs> I love that you thought I made that up for a second. I- <laughs> <laughs> that made me so proud that you thought I was that clever. I still do. You still think of other Aww. clever things. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, also get her described as large and whale-like. I do. I get described that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's happened to all of us. Sometimes even if it's just our own self-talk. So we need to stop. (laughs) We love each other. Whales are beautiful too. (laughs) They are. And you know what? I'm not 25 feet long or 18 feet long or even maybe 45 feet long. Exactly. (laughs) That's way too many shack clones. Too many. Uh, But also some sightings say that she's about the size of like an otter or a seal. I wonder why. (laughs) So just like that size and kind of a seal face. But, you know, just... (laughs) (laughs) we don't talk about that (laughs) so let's talk about the memorable sightings and evidence okay there have been over 3,000 reports of Nessie sightings although the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register has this number at 1139 1,139 but I've read elsewhere like 3,000 so I'm going with the bigger (laughs) number all right um, their website design, by the way, didn't seem as credible to me. So that's oh, why I, okay. that's how I choose my credibility is what it looks like. like yeah. Like your, uh, your feelings, your vibes. Right. <laughs> so reactions. like Heaven's Gate, credible. Yeah. Cause their website is so good. <laughs> <laughs> but similar to the Sasquatch. You can't really discount all thousands of these reports, right? Like obviously. Right. They're not all crazy people. They can't be. They can be. Not all 3,000 of them. I mean, all of us could fit in that lake and <laughs> and a lake full of, uh, like, several times over, a lake full of people. Like, they're all saying that. Mm, how can we all be crazy? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. What if it's a lake full of people and they're all saying it in unison? Ugh. I hate that. I oh, like my God. Either. I don't know why I said okay. it. Okay. Let's move on. I don't know why you said it either, (laughs) Rachel. Let's move on to discuss some of the major stories from the 1930s when Nessie Mania began. Please, let's. Remembering (laughs) that the initial sighting was way back in 565 AD with that one dude. Mm -hmm. But here's here's where it began. Of course. Um, The first modern sighting was in 1871 or 1872. People weren't good at keeping the dates back then. 
but it wasn't published until 1934. Oh, that's a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so D. McKenzie is this guy who saw it. He saw something that looked like a log, but the log was, quote, wriggling and churning up the water and then oh. disappeared at fast speed. That ain't no log. That, right. This is not typical log behavior. <laughs> so, so that was 1871-ish. In 1933, well, so 1934 was when that story was actually made published, made public. Mm -hmm. And this was after yeah. George Spicer and his wife, who is never given a name in anything published about this. She's just called George Spicer's wife, Ugh. which really makes me mad. Makes me think of like Lot's wife or Curl's wife. Like, give these women names. Don't just turn Ugh. them into pillars of salt or break their necks dreaming about rabbits. Give them names. Seriously. Give the lady a name. <laughs> she had one before she got married. Yeah. She's not just <laughs> Mrs. George Spicer. <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you for, for letting me rant about that. But Oh, um, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> I remember the lizard people gave us the patriarchy, so we um, are entitled to <laughs> um, complain about it from time to time. We are. That's a good point. <laughs> so I thought that the best way to handle this story would be through dramatic reenactment. Oh, perfect. Okay. It should be noted that the Spicers were actually from London, but since they were traveling in Scotland, we should assume that they picked up Scottish accents and slang, and that is how we will be performing this skit. So Stacy's going to be the husband. I've taken his name away, so now they're just <laughs> husband and wife. Yes. Who cares okay. what his name is? I don't actually know how a Scottish accent sounds. It is July 22nd, 1933, approximately 4 o'clock p.m., Husband and wife Spicer are heading back to their hometown of London after vacationing in Scotland. They are motoring about the northern edge of Loch Ness when a movement catches their eye. My head's mint! What is that grey monster crossing the road? Is a pure neat in it. <laughs> Looks mad. That's for sure. Its neck looks like an elephant's trunk, <laughs> undulating up and down like that. Aye, and is it carrying a wee lamb, or is that its tail curling around its torso? Aye, then again. <laughs> How big you reckon it is? I reckon it's six feet. <laughs> Nay, eight feet. Nay, twelve feet. Nay. 20 feet. What? Oh, hang on. I went, I went. <laughs> Russian there. Russian. <laughs> yeah, 20 feet. Oh, shoot, I keep doing it. <laughs> Laddie. <laughs> Why are we using the imperial system like Egypt? <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that was really good. Wow, we're amazing. That was really good. <laughs> Why um, are we so good at this? I don't know, but I think that we're probably going to get contacted by an agent soon. So let's just let's just um, tell, like, reassure our listeners: we're going to keep bringing a podcast to you, even if yeah. we do get 
um, you know, famous. When when we get super when, famous. Yeah. Right. We're not gonna leave you behind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know like what comes out of my mouth or what I think like things are supposed to sound like. I don't even know what I'm trying to do. Like I, I have like the whole like old Mary Queen of Scots like, thing in my head. <laughs> like like from uh like the latest season of Drag Race with the uh-huh. snatch game when she did that. And I was like trying to embody that and then somehow it ended up like Russian and I was like, I'm making fun of you for you doing the Russian thing and then I'm like, Oh, it is way harder with these two. But there's a similarity between Russian and Scottish. It's just that Scottish has more like mouth movement, but the yeah. Russian is still like they have like that same like there's a similarity to the sound yeah I'm obviously We're an experts. expert on accent <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay so they were driving and the what I want um you and everyone to realize is that this encounter is unusual because they saw the they saw the Loch Ness Monster crossing the street Okay, I don't know if you got that from... I, no, I didn't. I read it and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then, and then there, um, they first thought it was like six feet tall, but then it grew up to like 20 feet. Like tall or long? Long. And in their, okay. in their telling of it. So at first they're like, yeah, it's about six feet tall. But then by the end of the telling of it, it became 20 <laughs> feet. Uh, so okay, they, okay. <laughs> they shared their encounter with Lieutenant Commander of the British Royal Navy, and horologist and cryptozoologist Rupert Thomas Gold. And their report was included in his first major work, The Loch Ness Monster and Others. And then Gold became the spokesperson for the topic of Nessie. And it was after this report became public that Dee McKenzie from 1871 shared his own sightings. So it's like 60 years later. So like Dee McKenzie was this old guy who finally was like, I can tell people my story and they're not going to think that I'm a lunatic. Oh, okay. Also, want to point out, uh, yes, my queen is Loch Ness Monster and not and others. <laughs> she got uh, front and center of that title. That's the one we're here for. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. So another big sighting after the Spicer sighting, um, mm-hmm. reports were trickling in and interest was growing and growing. So, a famous circus owner, Bertram Mills, offered 20,000 pounds for the capture of Nessie, and London's Daily Mail newspaper said it was going to sponsor an expedition to figure this whole thing out, because people needed answers, Mm -hmm. and Marmaduke Weatherall was going to get them those answers. Marmaduke Weatherall. Let's just take a moment to appreciate the name Marmaduke Weatherall. Marmaduke Weatherall. Say <laughs> it in a Scottish accent. Marmaduke Weatherall. I forgot his last name for a second. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, Weatherall. 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 I don't even right. think he's yeah. Scottish. I don't. Forget. Yeah, who cares? I, we're just we just like practicing our flawless Scottish accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't even need practice. So yeah, we just like to show off. <laughs> Um, The Daily Mail hired Marmaduke for their expedition. So according to himself, (laughs) Marmaduke was a big game hunter. um, And some evidence for this description was his cool taxidermied immature hippo foot ashtray. And some reports say his cool taxidermied immature hippo foot was actually an umbrella stand. But he had this immature hippo's foot taxidermied into either. So like a child? Hippo? Yeah. 
Or maybe, oh. I mean, or maybe a grown-ass hippo who just can't get his shit together. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. If this hippo cannot learn how to do its laundry by now, I just, I can't. I can't. I can't be your mother, too, hippo. <laughs> no. Stop giggling at the word duty. <laughs> um. So he was also an actor, producer, and director, although not a particularly successful one. So no, we, I don't like know. Us. I feel like we all know a Marmaduke Weatherall. <laughs> you can get a sense of this guy. Yeah. So even though he wasn't that great at all this stuff, within days, mere days of beginning his investigation, Marmaduke fucking found a set of Nessie's footprints on the shore of the lock. <gasps> oh, they weren't the size of an immature hippo foot, were they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting that you should ask that, Stacy. because when they sent casts of the footprints to the London Natural History Museum, the folks there were like, huh, these look awfully similar to immature hippopotamus footprints. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the Daily Mail was like, that's so weird that Marmaduke has an immature hippo foot ashtray and also that the prints he found of Nessie look like immature hippo prints. Why are all these hippos so immature? I just don't understand. <laughs> and so the Daily Mail, they just put the kibosh on the expedition. Mm, They're like, no, we're not why. getting into this. We're done. <clears throat> then, then there's the surgeon's photo. So mm -hmm. after this, people were super disappointed that those were probably not Nessie footprints, mm. even though we have to admit that an immature hippo wandering around Scotland would be its own kind of magic. Right. I would say so. <laughs> but also, um, she's got soft feet. So <laughs> how, are we sure she's really making that many footprints anyway? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but exactly. So still the people wanted answers. And they wanted answers from someone they could trust. Of course. Like and I'd like to point out, too, that I've never met a trustworthy Marmaduke. Neither have I. I, I haven't met a single Marmaduke. <laughs> so what about Kenneth? Like, mm. doesn't Kenneth feel like a trustworthy name? I, I, I think I'd trust a Kenneth um, okay. as of now until I'm proven wrong. How about an R. Kenneth Wilson? So his middle name Ooh. is Kenneth. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, R. Kenneth Wilson. It should be noted he was a reputable doctor mm -hmm. who happened upon Nessie while he was dreamily staring across the lake. Oh. Suddenly, the monster popped up out of the water like a daisy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Wilson grabbed his camera and got four pictures of her before she disappeared. And then one of those pictures is the most famous image of Nessie that we have to date. The That's one right. we used in almost all the stories about her. It's a black and white photo with just her head popping out of dark, rippling waters. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't call myself a, a amateur cryptozoologist without having seen this picture. Well, as soon as oh, since we actually got your mom to sponsor us a little bit, we're technically professionals, and so now you're a <gasps> professional cryptozoologist. Oh my god. Oh, thanks, Mom. You helped me live my dream. <laughs> so because Kenneth Wilson, our Kenneth Wilson, didn't want his name published with these photos, mm -hmm. which he sold to the Daily Mail, mm -hmm. they became known as the surgeon's photo, even though Wilson was a gynecologist, not a surgeon. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Those aren't the same, guys. <laughs> They're probably like, I don't know what a gynecologist is. Sounds like some kind of surgeon. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call him a surgeon. Yeah, I don't care to know. It's a lady surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not a surgeon who's a lady because Exactly, because that's a, that. that's preposterous. Right. <laughs> so the picture was published on the front page on April 21st, 1934. Skeptics dismiss the picture as driftwood or an elephant or our boy the otter. An elephant in the water? Yeah. In Scotland? Listen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't. Elephants are from Scotland, right? <laughs> no, but that. I- yeah, well, actually, you know, we're going to – we'll come back to this. So remember elephants. Okay. Um, also, they – Okay, I'm, re- I'm remembering elephants just like how elephants, elephants never forget. Yeah. I won't forget. Okay. Don't be scared <laughs> of, of mice, though. Do you think elephants are really scared of mice? You know, I don't know. I, I feel like we need to give elephants some more credit. Okay. <laughs> um, but also, that is giving a lot of credit to mice. So mm. – Tough, tough position. Mm-hmm. So, we'll uh, we'll test this out. Uh, we're raising money. We're raising funds to <laughs> go um, to uh, a safari <laughs> with a mouse and uh, see what happens. Okay. I, yeah, this is news to me, folks, but I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just started. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like this second, <laughs> GoFundMe's up now. <laughs> um, people also think it's an otter, but. It's definitely – this photo itself is harder to dismiss than any other photo, like the clarity of it yeah. and that it looks like a, a monster. Or um, – It really does. Like a, a ladle, which is really cute. People do sell Nessie ladles. It's adorable. It's adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> so in the 40s and 50s, reports of Nessie sightings waned, but they never stopped. They slowed down probably because of World War II and then coverage of that was taking, you know, mm-hmm. up people's – Mines and newspapers. Yeah. And there have been more documented sightings since the turn of the century, particularly with the advent of photo editing editing software. I mean, particularly with the ubiquity of digital photography. Right. Digital photography. (laughs) (laughs) Nessie has even reportedly been captured on Apple Maps in 2014. Oh, Mm -hmm. neat. Yeah. Well, that's all the proof we need. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, so it's true that most of the evidence procured over the past decade has been shown to be a hoax. Let's note Mm. that not all of the evidence has been disproven, and those who would try to make a buck by faking a Nessie sighting only sow the seeds of doubt within the rocky landscape of the truth. That's right. I mean, not all of them are fake. Mm. Again, how how can it be that way? (laughs) Right. If there's so many. (laughs) Thank you for validating me and acknowledging that. You're so welcome. You are acknowledged and validated. Thank you. On that note, let's revisit the surgeon's photo. Okay. Okay. So in 1994, while the Scots were still riding the high of the Proclaimer song being featured in the Benny and June soundtrack, they were soon dealt a blow on the Nessie front because the universe always writes itself. It had to keep Mm. a balance. Scottish people couldn't have the joy of I would walk 500 miles without the equal devastation of learning that the most compelling piece of evidence for Nessie was a hoax. Hang on a second. I can't believe I forgot about that song. That's how I could have gotten into it. I love doing that impression. <laughs> <laughs> I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 
<laughs> so yeah, Nessie was havering across the street. The street. <laughs> she was swimming 500 miles. <laughs> I should have made the proclaimers joke earlier in the set. Oh, great. Oh, now everything's ruined. <laughs> Just like this evidence of Nessie. <laughs> so... Here's what happened with that. A couple of truth seekers named David Martin and Alistair Boyd. And I don't know, but Alistair Boyd is a sexy name. I don't know if this is a sexy individual, but that's a sexy name. <laughs> we'll, we'll call him sexy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd walk 500 miles to go see him. <laughs> For sexy Alistair Boyd. <laughs> they call him sexy Alistair Boyd. What is that even? I don't know. It's all right. They discovered an obscure newspaper article from 1975 that mentioned the confession of a dude bragging about how he'd had a hand in staging a, quote, famous Nessie photo back in 1934. Mm. So I'm going to quote from the book that I read, and you and I can figure out exactly what it means because I'm kind of confused. It's like a, it's like an object pronoun agreement thing. I'm not sure who's who here. So let's see. Okay. Here's the quotation, though. When the intrepid researchers managed to track down the confessor's brother-in-law, it was none other than Christian Sperling. So what I want to talk to you about is really, like, this question, Christian Sperling, is that the confessor or the confessor's brother-in-law, do you think? Okay, read the first part again. Okay. When the intrepid researchers, so our sexy Alistair Boyd and David Martin, Mm -hmm. uh, managed to track down the confessor's brother-in-law, it was none other than Christian Sperling. I think the confessor is Christian Sperling. Okay. Because they tracked down the brother-in-law and found out it was Christian Sperling. So they would say they tracked down the brother-in-law Christian Sperling to find it was none other than whoever else it would be. Okay. Okay. Great. I am an expert now. You are. That's so, awesome. Thank you. Uh, on everything. You're so you're welcome. Now I have Adderall and I have superpowers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Christian Sperling is also the stepson of one Marmaduke Wetherell. No! Uh-huh. And he had some stuff to say. So apparently... Marmaduke was mad that the Daily Mail canceled the expedition after the immature hippo taxidermied foot ashtray print, print misunderstanding, and he wanted to get back at the news outlet by tricking them into publishing a fake photo. So he's like, you're going to fuck around with my credibility, which <gasps> was not good. I'm going to fuck around with yours. But oh! he knew that they would never trust him again. So of he course. couldn't be the one to share the picture so or the photograph. So who better than his trustworthy friend, the twat swabber doctor himself, who loved a good practical joke, Dr. R. Kenneth Wilson. No, I trusted the name. I know. Oh, I'm a fool. I'm a fool for Kenneth's <laughs> twat swabbing Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> So Marmaduke commissioned Sperling to build a fake monster with a toy submarine. And then they took some photos. And then Dr. Wilson delivered the photos along with his harebrained, oh, I was just relaxing and saw this monster in the water story, to the Daily Mail. So remember, the Daily Mail published published this on April 23rd. 
April 21st. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Guess what date he uh, dropped it off? He delivered it on the to the Daily Mail. When? April 1st. Stop it. Stop this. Stop the presses. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, he was so proud of himself, I'm sure. He was like, ah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think Dr. Wilson probably thought he was being pretty obvious about his joke. Like, it's a mm-hmm. fake dinosaur head attached to a toy submarine um, floating in the water. And then he delivered the picture on April Fool's Day. So I think he kind of thought, like, they're going to know this is a joke, like, har, har, har. But then it began to gain momentum, and then he was powerless to stop it. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm looking to see. Okay, yeah. They they have April Fool's Day in Scotland, too. So just wanted to make sure. I was yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, yeah, I, he probably did think it was a fun little ha-ha yeah. moment. But, oh, Oh, <laughs> so I, I think we can still be his friend. Like, who hasn't had a practical joke get go out of control, like out of your control? You right. Know? Yeah, and he also. I mean, maybe he also thought like, oh, they're publishing it as a joke. Like, maybe right. he was like, oh, I'm definitely reading the subtext here that this is silly, goofy fun. But that means Marmaduke had the upper hand, and I'm not okay with that. No, Marmaduke should never have the upper hand. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, um, a lot of them are hoaxes. But let's talk about the theories because we can't discount them all. There's just too many. The original theory was that Nessie is a type of dinosaur or a Mm. convergent evolution of one, such as Plesiosaurus, Pleosaurus, Ichthyosaurus, Mosasaurus, or Basilosaurus. So all of these sauruses have various reasons as to why they're probably not Nessie, and I'm not going to go into, like, individually, but mostly it's because Loch Ness is only 10,000 years old, and these guys had all kissed asteroid by then. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, and even so, like, they'd have to come up to breathe air um, at some point, which would result in far more sightings, because currently we're seeing about 10 a year. People are reporting about 10 sightings a year. Okay, so these particular types of dinosaurs even though they swim they breathe air okay yeah. all right well i mean that still sounds like the mammal thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. aquatic mammals right so there's also i really like this one i'm um, the kelpie now have you heard of kelpies no they're it sounds adorable though yeah. please oh, don't prove not. me wrong no they're not um, oh. it's folklore though <laughs> so the kelpie is a shape-shifting water horse from scottish folklore oh maybe i have heard of this I think I was just distracted in, by the name. <laughs> yeah, it's super duper cute, the name is. And, like, the idea of, of a shape-shifting water horse also, because I love horses, um, like, helpies aren't nice. In fact, they're murderous, and they're particularly prone to murdering kids. Give or take, you know, like Oh, man, better. all the horse girls are crying right now. <laughs> so this is... I found this interesting how they do it. So Kelpies lure the kids to them just by being like, oh, it's horsey time. But then (laughs) when the kids jump on them, they stick to the fur of the Kelpies. The Kelpie makes their fur sticky. And then the kids can't jump off. And then the Kelpie just dives down into the depths um, and then gobbles them up. Okay, that's not that's not as cute as their name would suggest. And they're also shapeshifters (gasps) like our lizards. Those are people. Oh no! Mm. Oh no! And they're eating children. Oh uh, no! Yes. 
So they'll also transform to look like good looking people and then lure someone to them and <laughs> like a like an Alistair. Like they're like, Oh yeah, hey, what's up? My name's Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is why I only trust ugly people. Exactly. <laughs> Never trust a Marmaduke, even if he's ugly. <laughs> okay. We'll do. Or will not do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you will. Okay, I also want to take a quick little side note because I love reading. Um, I read a really great YA book several years ago that was inspired by the Kelpie legend. It's called The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, and she's also a fantastic author. But this story is so good, and it's so unusual, and it's super-duper engaging. And I really do – I like almost every book that I read, but this one was truly a standout. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that, like, I should – tell you guys about it. It's called The Scorpio Races. So if you're interested... I'll remember that because I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're interested about like Kelpie lore and stuff, it kind of draws from that. So Awesome. Okay, moving on. Another, another theory. Do you remember what I told you to remember? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Elephants. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> when I think back to all the bad things that have happened in modern times... I usually find the blame is either on Ronald Reagan or on swimming circus elephants. And in this case, it's swimming circus elephants that have caused all the confusion. Oh, no. (laughs) So the theory here is that the traveling circuses might have let their elephants play in the water and then people randomly saw the elephants and assumed it was an unknown monster because why would an elephant be in Loch Ness? Right. And also, remember way back, the circus owner Bertram Mills, who offered $20,000 for someone to capture Nessie? Maybe he maybe he lost his elephant and was just like oh. trying to get someone to get his elephant back. Like if he said like I I'll give you twenty thousand dollars to bring me back my elephant, people would be like, no, get it yourself, right? And or they just like, give him hey. like another elephant, you know? Yeah, and that's not what I want. My elephant, it loves to swim. <laughs> <laughs> he got taken away by the current, and I just want it back. exactly so um but also it seems to me this one mm, i'm not sure just because like i feel like you'd see the rest of the circus if you saw like the elephant swimming in the water yeah i mean it just feels like uh, also you know at the risk of losing your elephant why would you just let them go that far (laughs) into the water right you always say to your elephant don't go past this point yes you 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 always have to chaperone your swimming circus elephants i i I don't know how many times i have to say this i know you should we should know by now (laughs) okay other theories just general lake stuff so nessie could just be a conglomeration of random things like a floating log or no uncle ralph diving after his toe ring no or seishas the standing waves that occur in lakes no no, she causes them. Maybe the undulating Nestle was actually just the undulating lock, or of course, an otter or a seal. No, no. Plus, we talked earlier about how the physical makeup of the lake sets you up for visual anomalies more than your average lake. Could be like mirages and stuff. 
But none of these really account for the few sightings of Nessie on land, except for maybe Uncle Ralph and his toe ring. <laughs> uh, I, I decline to subscribe to I, any of these. <laughs> okay. They don't make any sense to me. What about aliens? Oh, always. I I didn't know that's where we were going, but yes, I am 100% on board now. Okay. So the extremely reputable podcast called Fake Believe Conspiracies, Cults, and Cryptids yeah. has an awesome episode on the Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. which could also be applied here. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's great. Yeah. Well, in that episode, the brilliant and hilarious and sexy Hosts use scientific data to argue that the Bermuda Triangle is plausibly a portal for space travel and could connect to other bodies of water. Uh-huh. So there could be a whole series of tubes that alien aquatic cryptids use for travel. Of course. Nessie. Ugh. Too much sense. It makes too much sense. <laughs> okay. Finally, the last theory. Eels. No. I decline once more. <laughs> Let me share some. Let's, let's let's think about this. So fine. One of the coolest things about Nessie is that she's inspired regular people to become interested in ecology and conservation. Hmm. I love that. Far more people are now aware of and curious about the study of eDNA, which was devised in the nineties. eDNA refers to the DNA of the environment. That's what oh, it stands for. that makes sense. Not good ecstasy. job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what a scientist does is grabs a bunch of samples from an environment and then looks at all the genetic residue left by the inhabitants in that sample. And then that gives them a snapshot of everything that's lurking there. It's really great because it's non-invasive. There's no weird cameras that might scare off animals they're trying to count. And it's, it's actually way more accurate. I'm going to read a quotation from Science Focus. Okay. <clears throat> Another recent study in New Caledonia led by German Busari from the University of Montpellier showed just how well eDNA outperforms other surveys. Water samples collected during two weeks of fieldwork provided DNA that identified more shark species than were detected in two years' worth of underwater baited camera studies and thousands of scuba dives. The eDNA samples found sharks 90% of the time, compared to only 50% in camera studies and 15% in dive surveys. Makes sense. Yeah. In May of 2018, Professor Neil Gemmel of the University of Otago, New Zealand, decided to apply eDNA study to Loch Ness. Gemmel was quoted as saying, I was thinking how we might use eDNA to search for and identify creatures that live in areas hard to investigate using traditional approaches, such as deep oceans and subterranean water systems. Loch Ness seemed a perfect fit for that sort of a project. I'm not a Nessie believer, but I'm open to the idea that I might be wrong. This project is about understanding the biodiversity of Loch Ness, with the added bonus being that we might find evidence of something new that may explain the monster legend. Okay. So, you know, like it still could still be magical. Yeah. Okay. I like this guy so far. Okay. So what they, they did it, they did their eDNA study, and long story short is they found no reptilian DNA mm. sequence. So that kind of lim- like puts a kibosh on the dinosaur theory. Unless they aren't reptiles. <laughs> right. Unless the dinosaurs were uh, mammals. Okay. But the ones that they identified, like the Plesiosaurus and all those, were reptilian. Oh, shit. As far as they know. Um, so while Gemmel and his crew did not find anything that could be called monster DNA, because mm-hmm. they could identify, like everything had a name for it. There was nothing unidentified. What he did find was a whole shit ton of eel DNA. 
And he admitted, although maybe in a kind of jokey tone, <laughs> that it was hard to tell if the DNA was from a lot of little eels or one giant eel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the maximum known length of a European eel is around one Shaquille O'Neal. So this eel would be the giantest we've ever seen by a lot if Nessie were an eel. So most mm-hmm. sightings put her between two and eight Shaquille O'Neal's. Okay, like, now I'm imagining Shaquille O'Neal like, what What did you call her? Undulating. Like, undulating <laughs> in the water, and I'm here for it. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got to Google Shaquille O'Neal undulate. I let's tweet at him stuff. and ask him to do it. Okay. okay, let's do it. I love the internet. <laughs> So the eel theory is that instead of migrating to reproduce, Nessie just hung out in the depths of the loch and chose to grow bigger and bigger. And now she's a giant eel who occasionally swims up from the trench to undulate and to steal (laughs) Uncle Ralph's toe ring. Ah, she loves those toe rings. She does. So maybe Nessie did eat that one innocent pick way back in the 500s. But since then, she's truly just been a cause for wonder, excitement, and curiosity. Not only does she support a thriving tourist industry, but she supports our imaginations and our interest in the natural world. So I'm going to end with another quotation from Dr. Gimmel, just that I really appreciated it. So when speaking to The Guardian about his eDNA study, he said this, If you'd like, this has been a great big science con, We've been talking about science the entire time, and we're using the monsters as bait. We've communicated science in a way which has been more compelling than perhaps most of the science I've been involved in in my prior career. More people now know about environmental DNA than ever before. I would imagine, and I think that's a good thing, because we need these tools to be able to document what is living in places as slowly but surely our world becomes less special. So I was really struck by the phrasing there of our world becoming less special. I'm going to get a little cheesy here, but I'm going to go for it. Because I think that's a fear of people who are into conspiracies, cults, and cryptids have when something comes around to disprove their favorite theory. When the monster you've known for 60 years turns out to be a model dinosaur head stuck onto a toy submarine, it can make the world feel a little less special. But curiosity and scientific inquiry can bring that back. And so maybe Nessie isn't a kid-eating spirit horse, but I think a gigantic eel who decided she'd rather hang out at home than go out and find a mate is pretty darn special, too. Oh, I, <laughs> I think that is special. It's a great job, Rachel. You really Thank brought it you. home with that. <laughs> Yeah, so whether whether you know we're making it special with with big old eels or big old cephalopods <laughs> that may or may not be aliens, <laughs> you know, I just I just love it. And me too. It's a good time, and we all have to know that it's all special and it's all a hundred percent real and a hundred percent fake believe. If you enjoyed this production of Bad Scottish Accents, please mention our little podcast to your friends or even your enemies. Come on, get cracking. Don't be an octopus. No, I'm not going to say that one. You can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're catching these dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs>